So I'm going to introduce to you one of our dear brothers of our church, Cody Zeiterveen. He's going to be bringing the word to us this morning as part of our Gold from Gold sermon series where we've invited members of our congregation, our family, to share messages with us. And again, I'm I'm really excited about this because I talked with Cody this week about um, what his sermon is going to be, and I think that this is going to be the part one to the part two of my sermon next week, which is really exciting how the Lord just has orchestrated all of these um, sermons during this month of July and then the next one. So I'm going to pray for Cody, and then we'll uh, hear the word from him. So Lord, thank you so much for Cody's willingness to bring this word to us. Just pray that you would bless him now with words from your mouth, that you would open up our hearts and minds so that everything that um, comes from you through Cody would fall on tilled and fresh and fertile soil, that this word would sink deep within our hearts. We thank you for Cody's willingness to bring this word to us and pray that you would bless him as he gives it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Mark. Good morning. Uh, It is good to be here to share the word uh, together this morning and to study it. Uh, We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2. And you may have noticed as I was standing up front, uh, my sermon is in fact printed on the back of flashcards. Uh, Our house is in a little bit of disarray right now, uh, and that was the only printing paper I could find. So uh, if you're in the first grade or below, flashcards are for you here this morning. Uh, As I got asked to share the word at Gold Avenue Church uh, quite a while ago already, uh, we were looking towards this summer series, and it was striking to me that in the church calendar, if you follow that, uh, we are in what's called ordinary time. And for some reason, that just struck me kind of odd this year that in the course of the calendar, the largest chunk of time in the Christian church is ordinary time. Uh, And I was thinking to myself, what does it look like to be a Christian serving an extraordinary God in ordinary time? Which is what led me towards the text uh, that I'm going to share with you this morning Uh, And also, I guess, kind of tee up Mark for next week uh, as he prepares to knock it out of the park. So uh, Acts chapter two, we're going to begin in verse one. Uh, Hear the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews. Devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? 
Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in the ancient world, regardless of one's religion... The temple was of utmost importance. The greater your temple, the greater the God that dwelled in it. This was kind of the rule of thumb to follow. If you had a a big God, a great God, you were going to build a great temple. So recently I was in Israel with 40 GVSU students and we were studying in Israel and Palestine. And one of the days we found ourselves along the, the giant Western Wall, as you can look up over the Temple Mount, uh, and our leader, Ben Post, pointed out uh, one of the largest stones uh, that's pretty extraordinary. This stone is 45 feet long by 11 and a half feet tall by 15 feet thick, which is some 570 tons or roughly the equivalent of 31 charter buses, and they hauled this stone uh, about two miles from the quarry, and they put it in place in the temple, one of many stones. Just for reference, since we're more familiar with the pyramids of Egypt, the largest stone in the greatest pyramid in Egypt is 11 tons. Uh, And so we are talking about a temple of supreme value to indicate to the nations a God who dwelled there who was immense and awesome and mighty and powerful. You see, if temples represented the greatness of the God who dwelled there, Israel had one of the best temples. Many believe that when the followers of Jesus gathered in Acts chapter 2, They were, in fact, gathered on the Temple Mount. Acts 1 tells us that there's about 120 followers of Jesus at this point. And so for a space that large in the ancient city, uh, those size spaces would have been found on the Temple Mount where people were meant to gather. And it's the amazing place that was meant to represent the amazing God. And as Acts 2 tells us, they were gathered there not just with the 120 believers, but with seemingly people from all around the world. And then it gives us a brief geography of the ancient world, uh, which is immense and wide. And it goes through this list to describe the entire known world in verse 5. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews from Every nation under heaven. And then starting in verse 9, it tells us uh, what he means as he's writing that. Where are these Jews from? Parthians, which is a kingdom that stretched from the Mediterranean all the way east to India and China. So there were Parthians. There were Medes, which is modern day Iran. And there were Elamites, which is modern day 
Iraq, and residents of Mesopotamia, which is Syria, Jordan, and Turkey. There was Judea and Cappadocia, which is central Turkey. There was Pontus, which is this kingdom that surrounds the Black Sea, and Pamphylia, Asia Minor, Egypt, and parts of Libya, and on and on and on and on and on he goes. And he's describing this map. This geography that covers the entire known world as they would have understood it to be. And he's saying all of those people from all of those places are gathered in this place, in Jerusalem, at this time, in the temple. In the very place where 120 followers of Jesus were waiting for the sending of the Holy Spirit. And all of these people had gathered together to celebrate a feast called Shavuot, or the Feast of Weeks. And we first read of Shavuot in the book of Exodus and throughout the Old Testament. And Shavuot is a feast meant to celebrate the first fruits of the harvest. So the wheat is coming in, and they go to bring the first fruits to the temple to wave before the Lord as an offering to him. This is how Leviticus 23 describes it. And from the day after the Sabbath, from the day on which you bring the sheaf of the elevation offering, you shall count off seven weeks. They shall be complete. You shall count until the day after the seventh Sabbath, 50 days. Then you shall present an offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your settlements two loaves of bread as an elevation offering, each made of two tenths. Of an ephah. They shall be of choice flour baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. In other words, Passover happens, and then starting the next day, the day following Passover, count seven complete weeks, 49 days, until you come to day 50. And on day 50, you celebrate Shavuot, or what we use more commonly in our Bibles, Pentecost. Day 50. Shavuot. This is one of the three great festivals in the Jewish calendar in which all Jewish males are commanded to come up to the temple to worship. And it's likely the greatest of the celebrations because of the time of year, more and more of those Jews from the furthest reaches of the world could come to celebrate and to be part of the worship of the great God in his goodness and his faithfulness in providing all that they need. And when we open our Bibles to Acts 1 and 2, we see the disciples watching and waiting and praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And have you ever wondered why they had to wait Why did they have to wait for the Spirit? Why wasn't it so that when Jesus ascended and the disciples are there staring up into the heavens, the Spirit descends upon them and begins the church age? Why was it that they were commanded to wait and to watch? And why was it that they were commanded to do it here in Jerusalem? Why not have Jesus go and the Spirit come immediately? And in Acts 2, we start to see the answer. While they wondered and waited and prayed, the Lord quietly went about drawing people from every nation, from every corner of the world, 
in Jerusalem, in the temple for the celebration of Shavuot. And here's what happened as he did it, as the Lord gathered people and when he released his disciples to bring the good news of the gospel to the corners of the earth, the Lord first brought the corners of the earth to the place where the gospel was being born to take it back with them. So that when the disciples went out in the weeks to follow to the ends of the earth, the gospel and the Lord Jesus Christ already went before them. You see, the the Lord had gathered the nations. And on that day, 3,000 were saved. And on that day, the church was born across the known world, not in a single place or in a single people, but the world around. And the greatness of God is unquestionably shown to be far greater than even the greatest temple, to be far greater than a single people or a single place. All of a sudden in a day, With God and his spirit coming on Shavuot, if you wanted to see the greatness of God, if you wanted to see the immensity of God and the goodness of God, you're going to have to look the world around at his people in a single day. What a beautiful picture of the newborn church, a church that was always meant to surround the globe time after time. A church that was always meant to break through places to different people into new spaces. A church that was always meant to be expanding and growing and reaching out and connecting. A church that was always meant to draw others in and share the good news and then send people out to share that good news to the world. One of my favorite authors, uh, Nicholas Walterstorff, has likened the church to the systolic and diastolic heartbeat. And that's that's a little bit beyond me, uh, but I have something of an honorary nursing degree, I think, from many, many nights quizzing my dear wife uh, with flashcards somewhat like these uh, as she prepared to be a nurse. And here's how it happens. Diastole occurs when the heart relaxes and it fills with blood. The heart is at rest and and the blood fills it. This sounds an awful lot like a Sunday morning where we come and we rest and we gather and we are filled in this place. But the heart wasn't created for the diastolic phase. No, the heart was created to contract. And when the heart begins the systolic phase and it contracts, it sends blood to every part of the body. Every beat it does this. It gathers, it rests, and it contracts, and it sends. And if you look it up on Google, I'm telling you it's true, there's 60,000 miles of blood vessels in the single human body. Every heartbeat, it gathers and it sends. It gathers and it rests. And it rests and it goes. 60,000 miles, that's two and a half times around the world. 
in a single heartbeat. That's the power of the heart to pull in and to send out. Gold Avenue, that is the power of the church. To gather in and to send out. To rest and to go. To be invited in. And to be invited out. That the whole world may know. So let me show you what that could look like. One of the places as a church that we are located next to is Grand Valley State University, a place that I love and a people that I love. And you as a church are faithful in praying and encouraging and providing a basement in which we gather. Uh, and here's what happens. At Grand Valley State University, every week that we gather is something of a Shavuot Celebration, Because in the United States, there's over one million international students that come to study every year. Michigan is a top ten hosting site of those international students. So many of them are coming here, many of which are coming to Grand Valley State University. So that when we gather, we have students from 106 different countries and all 50 states and Puerto Rico, and they gather together, and we've got something of a Shavuot. Imagine with me if the Spirit descended in that space in such a way that when they go out, the gospel goes to the ends of the earth again. But don't just picture my workplace. Think about yours. Michigan. I love Michigan. Yeah, you'll see this come through in the way that I talk about it. Michigan, a place that I love. It has over 400,000 first-generation immigrants working in Michigan, in your workplaces. And Michigan is a top five state for receiving refugees in the United States. And Grand Rapids is the city that receives the most of any city in Michigan. You see, we live in an international space here in Grand Rapids. And this is what I'm telling you. The Lord has been busy again gathering people around his church that are waiting to receive the good news. The Lord has been busy gathering people around you who are waiting to hear the gospel. And be transformed as you gather here, yes, on Sunday mornings. But then you go out to share the good news. Because here it is in Acts 2, verses 3 and 4. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when the Spirit came on Pentecost, when it came on Shavuot, it didn't just come on Peter. The Spirit, he didn't just come on John or on James. When the Spirit came, he came on Philip, who went with his sister Miriam and proclaimed the good news in Greece and Frisia and Syria. The Spirit filled Matthew, who went to Media, Persia, Parthia, and even Ethiopia. And the Spirit filled Barnabas and Stephen and Matthias, Cephas, Thaddeus. And the gospel just kept spreading and spreading and spreading. On this Sunday morning, 
the Spirit is still filling and the Spirit is still sending. Through you and you and you, the Spirit goes. The Spirit fills and empowers and goes. Because in each of these places, in our workplaces, in our schools, and in our parks, and in our neighborhoods, and in our homes, the Lord has seen fit to place his temple there, in and through you. And you collectively, you together form the temple. Us together here at Gold, we form the temple And we were always meant to display his greatness and his abundance and his goodness and his immensity. So when the world looks at us, do they see in us the greatness of God? When the world looks at us and the way we gather and the way we rest and the way we go and proclaim and share and love. Do they see the Lord Jesus Christ? In the way we love one another in this place and love our neighbors and love our neighboring churches, do they know that we are a people who have learned how to love from the one who is love himself? One thing that amazed me about the temple wall as I gazed at it that day was that all of the stones fit perfectly. Both, both the biblical account and Josephus, uh, ancient historian, uh, tells us that there was never the sound of a hammer, chisel, or any other iron tool at the Temple Mount. Every stone was perfectly prepared and set in place just as it was, made ready for that spot. You can't even fit like a credit card in this wall. It fits exactly right. Again, is that true of the temple gathered at gold, that there is no space permitted? That when there is, within this congregation or outside of it, wherever there is brokenness and imperfection, instantly work is done to repair and renew and restore, that we can again stand together as the temple. That the glory of God could be known to be true in this place. You see, we both collectively and individually represent the greatness of God. That when the Spirit descended on His church, He did it on us, yes, and He did it on each of us individually. If you're in Christ this morning, the Holy Spirit has seen fit to uniquely equip you to proclaim the good news of the gospel. He has seen fit to uniquely indwell you, to empower you to go and to share and to minister and to work and to love. Each of you are experts in your own field, whether it is medicine or journalism or engineering or electrical. You all know this to be true. When you speak with someone who is a professional in their field that you know nothing about, uh, it is 
quite like they are speaking another language. Unlike anything you've ever heard. I've had many of those conversations, mostly with the engineers. And that's, that's the way it is, that the Lord has equipped us to speak on the one hand through what he has gifted us with as people, on the other hand with what he has gifted us with in the gospel. And I know as something of a foreshadowing, that's where Mark's going to step in next week. What does it look like to be in this space with this message, the gospel message? And how do we share it? When we go, what do we have to bring? What do we have to share? But here's the thing. What if every week at Gold Avenue Church is something of a celebration of Shavuot? What if every week we gather and as we do, we can't wait for what comes next? That we're resting because we know we're going to need rest. Because there's something coming for us to do. That we gather because we know we're going to need each other. That as we go out, we're going as a gathering. That when we come to this place, the world can see an amazing picture of the God who dwells here among us. But then as we come to the end, the benediction, my favorite part of the whole service, and the pastor raises their hand and ends with an amen, we know that amen is a truly, truly, this is coming out from here. That we have work to do, that we have places to go, that we have people that the Lord has prepared in advance for us to share the good news of the gospel because you are uniquely equipped in this ordinary time to share the good news of an extraordinary God. So speak, share, go out from gold in the power of the Spirit for the gospel has always been for all people. Which of them does the Lord intend to reach through you. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do pray that your spirit would come anew this morning, that for those of us that are tired and weary, we would receive your rest because we know that you give rest to those that you love. And so, God, we receive it and we rejoice in it this morning in the power of testimonies, in the power of your word, in the power of worship. We receive your rest and your goodness and we join you, God, in the days to come in sharing it with the world around us. So, God, we pray that your kingdom would come here in this place. We pray that your fame would be known in Grand Rapids. We pray that your spirit would enliven us, Lord, that as we go, we can't help but share the goodness that you have shared with us. God, we love you so, so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.